Welcome to another episode of Off the Dome Radio, episode 41. I call it the Dirk Nowitzki episode. Ooh. Number 41. Let's go Dirk. What a legend. Living legend. He might retire this year. Yeah. Been in the game a long time. He has. Uh, Today's episode, we have a lot of good stuff. So I'm going to talk about the new phone that Samsung has out that can charge other phones at the same time, what that can lead to with potential other products Samsung could offer, uh, different things like that. Ah. Uh, We talk about Amazon's acquisition of the company Eero. So the executives got a huge payday, but the employees got really screwed off this. And we'll talk about that in the episode. Mm, mm -mm. What good. Uh, And I'm also going to highlight the world's most profitable company. And it's not Apple. It's not Amazon. We'll tell you what it is. Very high profiting industry. Money. Then we get into uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, new coach, uh, implementing some interesting uh, strategies and rules within his his practice uh, for his players. So we'll get into that a little bit. And we have a cancer misdiagnosis in Iowa from the Iowa Clinic. Uh, man, that was a rough one. Uh, felt bad for, for that whole situation. Uh, but then we talk about uh, connecting with people over literally anything and everything. And we will get into what we now dub and I think can be professionally known as the same sock connection. <laughs> so same sock connection, being nice to people. And then as always, we end on our... Uh, our book talk, we love to get nerdy with it. Tim, you finished Outwitting the Devil. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you get into again this episode? Yeah, I talked about uh, a book that I read about a year ago by Harvey McKay. Um, and I'm going to explain something from that book that's going to really, really help you in your next presentation, sales presentation, your next presentation to your class. Um, a really important thing to remember um, about your audience as you go into something like that. So I'll give you some cool tips on that. Yep, and I'm still turtling my way through um, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff and Making Progress, though. Uh, We talked about avoiding weatherproofing, so much like we do with our home, finding leaks and cracks and all the small things that we need to fix with it. We tend to do that within our uh, everyday relationships, whether it's a friend, a family member, a significant other, a spouse. Uh, So we, we get into that and... Uh, talk about assessing, uh, implementing, and then course correcting when need be. So uh, we get through a lot of good stuff in this episode. And as always, uh, go check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud. And if you like the episode, go give us a five-star review and rating. We will send out a free laptop sticker. Uh, Make sure you send us a DM. We'll get your information, and we'll get that out to you. Without further ado, episode 41, The Dirk. Yeah, so people may have already seen these commercials already, but Samsung just came out with a new concept. I think it was in February when it was announced, but it's called Wireless PowerShare. So you may have seen the commercial, like I said, you put the phone back to back with another phone, okay, and phones can charge each other like anywhere and everywhere in public. What? You just got to find someone else. So this works for Gal- Galaxy S10, uh, S10, if, but- S10e and s 10 plus okay so whoever has those phones all you do is you swipe into settings enable wireless power share you just place it back to back with the device that you want to charge with what if both phones are low on battery 
You're just gonna put two low. Rude, I guess. You gotta find. A th- you gotta find a third friend, I guess. But well, was, oh, okay, I'm with you. So like, one has to have a pretty good charge, and you can yeah. give someone else. Okay, so it's I like don't know the details. Jump in, on... Like jump in a car, basically. Right. Okay. And this is, I mean, this is cool because that's pretty wild. Th- this think about the community of Samsung users. This could overall, in grand scheme of things, you can just. You're out at the bar. You see someone you don't even know. You guys have the commonality. You both have a Samsung phone. Be like, bro, I'm about to die. What? You're about to die, man? No, my phone's about to die. Can you please charge my phone with me? And you guys can charge each other's phones. This is still an emergency. Start, start a conversation. It's a networking thing. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I think when I look at this, I don't think that Sam – I mean, I think – I'm trying to figure out the reason why Samsung did this. I think the real benefit is – this also works with the new Galaxy earbuds, as well as the Galaxy smartwatch. Okay, I'm not familiar with those either. So they're supplement. I mean, just like Apple does, they have the smartwatch and the uh, the headphones themselves. It's the same okay. exact concept, except you can charge your earbuds and your watch on your phone. So mm. the advantage of that is, if you're going to bed, you plug your phone in by your bed. You can put your earbuds and your smartwatch on your phone, so literally everything can just be charged right there. And just plug your phone in, and then everything's charging on your phone. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I think part of it has to be, they got to be looking at what aren't they doing. Mm-hmm. Like, Apple is dominating. Mm-hmm. They had, like, the those earbuds that everyone loves now. Uh, they have devices where you can put your phone on top of something without plugging it in, and it mm-hmm. can charge... There's phones that, you know, you do the, the swap of information after you touch, but no one's doing oh my phone can charge your phone yeah i got you yeah and i think they're trying to one-up apple they're trying to i mean they they already beat them to the airpods charging space like they were they beat them to that yeah like being able to charge the earbuds and i think this is an opportunity for people like current like samsung users customers that only have the phone this might entice them to buy the earbuds too because they know they can oh sure it works like charging wise it just makes everything so like simpler and like organized into one so. do you think you'll get anyone that'll leave apple to go to samsung yeah i do really? i i mean i've talked to people who leave just i mean they switch over just because of the functionality of the samsung a lot of people tell me that for them i mean it's not my experience i think it's easier to use apple maybe that's because i've always used it sure but people just like the functionality aspects of the phone and i think that i mean every person's different like what the orientation of their phone, their visual, what like is most pleasing to them. Mm-hmm. And I think peop- some people just, the way they interact with their phone, I mean, it works better with them from Samsung, so. Yeah, yeah, I uh, actually, I think it was, might've been Marquise, actually. One time in school, uh, shout out Marquise Martin Hayes, if you haven't listened to that interview, please go do so. He'll drop some truth on that ass. Um, but I think he was the one telling me it's a little harder to get used to the Samsung or the Galaxy, but once you do, they like it so much better than iPhone. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what there is to that. Like you, I'm, I've Apple most of most of my stuff's Apple, but and I think it's pretty easy to use. But I'd be interested to just maybe try one for a while, right, down the road and see like what is the game changer for these people. Mm-hmm. Like, why is this so much better? And why do you have to take some time to get used to it at first? Mm-hmm. But what's the X factor? Yeah. 
I would, yeah, and I, I would be open to looking at it too. I think that what's keeping me with Apple though, and not even thinking about switching, is I just think the crowd movement to Apple, and like most business people, and like just most people in general, like mm-hmm. most population is on Apple, and I see it as like a a commun an ease of communication thing with like iMessage because I do a lot of texting on a, on a daily basis. I just think that's kind of a narrow way to look at it, but I mean, if I it's an easier way to communicate with people I know, like. But that's exactly it. Easier. Yeah. You want the easiest way possible. Yeah. You don't want time to have to get used to something. And mm-hmm. but, like, what is fastest? Especially for if you're buying Apple for a company and you're looking at this provider and this provider, how are people going to learn what you need them to learn to do the job you need them to do, the fastest, the easiest, and the most efficient way possible. Mm-hmm. And usually. You know, regardless of cost, you want the easiest way possible. I love it. So, that's pretty interesting. I didn't know much about that. So, dude, that's wild. You can charge a phone with a phone. Yeah. What? They did say, like, it's not as fast. The charge isn't as fast as it would be if you just plugged it under the wall. It's like half the speed. But still, the fact that you can charge I mean, yeah. If, if you, said. like, need to get a ride and you're like, dude, I'm on a 4%. Mm-hmm. It might die before my Uber or Lyft gets here. Yeah. Hey, man, like, you think they'll start lingo? Like, hey, dude, I see you got Samsung. Can I get a jump? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they did a good job with that commercial, too, just showing, like, the intimate connection with people. Yeah. Like, when they're just sitting there. And that would be a goofy conversation. Like, hey, so this person came up to me at the bar tonight and asked if I could, you know, give them a jump on their phone. I would love to see just, like, a video compilation of all the interactions that will go on with that. <laughs> be good why not be the ones to make it yeah but we need to buy samsung phones true uh write it off run it through the business yeah taxes do it all right done all right what we'll, you got about we'll the get NFL? back to you yeah what you uh, you got some uh i was heated talk about the nfl i was here. heated yeah. so arizona cardinals coach cliff kingsbury and i'll preface i'm not like a huge nfl but he just got hired this summer so he's yeah. a new coach i don't know coach. you know i'm not a huge buff i don't know all things NFL, so mm-hmm. I'm pleading my ignorance to that up front. But he implemented a social media break for every 20 to 30 minutes. Says that it will help them retain focus when they're in these shorter attention spans, these shorter bursts of attention. They'll be all in, and then after that, a lot of time. He even referred to getting like twitchy and shaky. It's like that's called addiction, brother. Like. And so, okay, I, you know, that's why in college, a lot of classes were like 50 minutes, you know, attention span, even though it's shorter than that, like you need to um, get that in. But what happens on game day? You don't let them have their phones on the sideline? (laughs) Not fully into the game? Yeah. What, if you're saying that they're getting like the shakes and all this shit, like 20, 30 minutes? No, dude, train them to be an independent human without that shit. Mm-hmm. They need to focus on their job. That is their job. Yeah. To play football to the best of their ability. There's going to be time for social media. You know, like they're going to do it before and after, regardless if they get it during. It's not going to like help them do it less later. Yeah. What are they, like the world's not going to end. What's the end goal for this? What's his reasoning behind this? Because they can focus better? How yeah. much how much these better focus. Get, how much these dudes getting paid? <laughs> Too much for Come this on. kind of bullshit. 
I'm sorry, I strongly, strongly disagree. Like, you first off, if you're in the NFL, you should be more focused on playing football while you're at practice and the phone later. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just it's how it should be. Yeah. And every 20, 30 minutes, no, you're not going to get anything done. That's you explaining why you're going to do one route instead of another and what the defense can do. That's a 10, 15-minute conversation. What, on one fucking route? And then they're, th- they're, they're thinking about that break the whole time. Like, exactly. It's an addi- like you said, the addiction thing. It's on their mind while they're learning about it. So How are they not going to watch the clock for every 20, 30 minutes? Like, oh, it's 2? All right. About 2.30-ish, we get like, a break. Don't... Even without a so-called like social media break, don't they already have this in place when they're done with practice? <laughs> like you have time to be on your phone in between practice and yeah. After you, why do you need to dedicate like specific time after you're done? <laughs> before you take a shower, after your shower, yeah, like you know, take thirty minutes to get dressed. I don't care, but it's like I, I think in to some people short term this might seem like a pretty good idea. Oh yeah, quick shirt. Short burst of attention. Yeah, game day. That's my thing. Game day. You're there for hours without it. Hours. Maybe it's just an Instagram booty pick addiction for these players. They need their time to go scroll through Instagram for, for 10 minutes. They can't do without it. Dude, they're in the NFL. They're going to get all the ass they want. I'm sorry. Save the booty picks for later. Control your dick. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It. I think you're setting them up to fail during the most important part of the week yeah. when you do this. Because you condition them, I mean, you see them every day, condition them six out of the seven days mm-hmm. to train that way, to practice that way, and now they're going to play a completely different way. Like, you're going to tell me you're going to have them with their phones on the sidelines. No, you're not, coach. Like, I, I don't see this going well at all. I think yeah. it's a terrible idea. Yeah, that's interesting. Cliff, this might blow back on my face, and this might be the most genius coaching move in the history of coaching moves. Yeah, who I, knows? I, have to, I have to be open to that, too. I understand shorter bursts of attention span. Yes, we cannot hold our attention for hours on end. But I think doing this is just doing a disservice. And it's relying too much, like allowing that to control your life. Now you're letting the technology and just social media and Instagram and shit control now what you do within your career mm-hmm. every day. Yep. You revolve that around social media. Yep. You're adapting yourself to social media, the way you manage your time. Yeah. Sad. So, yeah, I don't think this is a good move. Hey, we'll see. So Cliff, like Cliff I said, King, could, could blow back on me, but. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury, he was the coach at Texas Tech last year, coached okay. college football, got hired to be the defensive coordinator at USC, and then he got a job. He was at USC for like two weeks. And then got this job for the Arizona Cardinals. So he's a first year. Wow. He's a first year NFL head coach. His first go around. And that's a bold, pretty bold move to put this into play. So I guess we'll just see what the record shows in February. So yeah. we'll check back so on that. So you, you know more about NFL than I do. You, do you know like coaches, like, you know, coaches' style somewhat mm-hmm. for the most part? Are there any coaches that come to mind for you where you think they would? either say this is actually not bad, like a coach who's been in the league for a while, or the coaches that you kind of know and, and follow and see, would they be like, I would never do this? Um, so coaches that would never do this, definitely Belichick. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're on your phone, 
dur- during a practice, you're out of this facility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's probably what he'd say. Yeah. Um, I could see, like... Well, the, look at their history. Yeah. I think mean, it's more of a younger generation thing. Like, I could see another young coach like Sean McVay from the Rams doing something like this. I mean, he's a he's only 31 years old, third-year coach. Like... I guess like the younger, like the people who like understand or who have screen addiction themselves. I think that's where it's coming from. Like okay, I bet, I bet Cliff Kingsbury has crazy phone addiction. <laughs> it's the only thing I can think of at this point. But crazy man, I'm interested to see how it pays off for him. Um, if there's anything more that comes out about that, where did you find that article at? Uh, ESPN and then NFL.com. Okay. <laughs> nice. nice. They really, and, and they literally do a story about anything and everything nowadays, and, and I love we'll, that, I love that we're here to talk about it. Today. We'll we'll link those in the in the show notes too. But yeah, um, one of those from ESPN itself. Yeah. So I don't know. Interesting stuff. Yep. All right. What's uh, what's Bezos doing over at Amazon? Well, this is more. It's less about Amazon, but more about Eero. So this company called Eero, E E R O, they created. Uh, this Wi-Fi system that syncs up with an app and promises no dead zones, no more buffering, uh, no password sharing. It pretty much removes the complicated com- components that come with like having a physical one modem router in a house. It, so like instead of one central one, mm-hmm. it's like a mesh Wi-Fi system that communicates between like multiple devices through the house. So you'll have something plugged in one room. It looks like a like I wish I could pull up a picture right now. I wish we were on Joe Rogan we could pull up a picture but <laughs> it looks like a little like white computer mouse it's like a really like aesthetic like white thing okay. and like plugs into a wall in one room it can sit in another room it doesn't have one central modem so this is the company it hit the market in 2016 everyone loved it uh, this company Eero they had a valuation of 277 million just three months after they released it so bottom Jeez. line great product great success Typical Silicon Valley startup. I think the founders went to Stanford. I'm still a little confused on like the you said no passwords. That's not. Sh- that, sharing. That, I'm just that's the I'm, that's a side point. That's, okay. This, they made a good product. It did well. It's a Wi-Fi security system. Okay. Um, right. So in February, uh, Amazon acquired this company for 97 million. So they bought it out, acquired it. Um, and you said it was evaluated at 277 three months after. Three months after it did, so got purchased by Amazon for 97 million. Wow! And the executives of Eero, the dudes who started the company, founded it. They did well. Like the CFO made 2.1 million off of that. Uh, the co one of the co-founders made six million. The CEO made 7.5 million. People making millions of dollars off this, but the employees, uh, they got shafted. Ooh! So. A lot of employees had stock options with the company. Okay. They were on like a 401k plan, I'm assuming, some type of like interest. Um, and when this, this stock price of Eero, it was a publicly traded company before it got acquired. It was around $3.54. So sm- smaller stock, say, smaller yeah. stock, but obviously you, th- these employees have invested a lot of financial faith into this stock through their 401k plan. Sure. So upon acquisition, the stock price of Eero went down to $0.03. Cents. How? I have no idea. But bottom line is, the company sent, so the, it, the acquisition happened on February 11th. The company sent out its last and final communication to the company on February 15th saying, so you guys can exercise your stock options right now, but it's going to be for three cents a share. But if you also hold on to your options, you're really not going to make money off of it as well. So Go through that people, timeline again. 
The February 11th? February 11th uh, acquisition. Yeah. February 15th is the communication that's sent out. It said employees, you can, you can exercise your stop, stock options. And then that's when people realize we all got screwed and lost a shit ton of money off of this acquisition. I want to know when the execs cashed out their options. Yeah, I don't know. Like time-wise. Yeah, in I'm, regards I'm, to the acquisition. Yeah, I'm not sure, but appara- From over apparently, three dollars to three cents. Apparently, employees came back after Christmas vacation, and this was like kind of already in the works. Like twenty percent of the workforce got laid off after Jeez. Christmas break. Like, it was getting to the point where like, the HR department like couldn't even like release like, like public announcements about people leaving because so many people were just getting getting shafted by this and leaving oh and, 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 and quitting. Um, and the crazy thing is. The like most of like they acquired them for ninety seven million, but it's only gonna be worth like fifty six million to Euro because like forty million of that was debt that they had to pay off. So it's not even like as big as what they were. Oh my so, gosh, dude! Do you think so, they should have held on to it and not sold out to Amazon? Well, I think okay, I think the this or did spe- they sell because speaks, they had debt? This speaks to a bigger issue because they were like. The home Wi-Fi system, it's a really, really competitive market. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a startup that creates this idea, you're not going to be able to compete in the long term because like tech giants like Google, like Apple, they're always going to beat you out because they have more money. They're always going to be able to beat you out of it eventually. So you got to get to a point as a company where you got to create this idea, show that it does well in the market like they did, and then just cash out. But the people who invested their faith and like money into the stock options with this company, they just get, they get screwed. So, like, I guess the bigger issue is if you're working for one of these companies, don't invest. Like, I would be wary and careful about investing in a, in a company-sponsored investment plan. Go right. take your money and, like, invest it in a more, like, safe portfolio. It's not – like, it's, it just sucks these employees got screwed because they invested in a portfolio that wasn't safe. It's just the, the drop in, in stock is what bothers me. Mm-hmm. Like, usually you see that – when? When people start dumping stock. Yeah. Like, right? I th- <laughs> Like from I over $3 to $0.03. Cents. Yeah. Maybe it was to the point where all these like – the people who held shares of this company, like they were just like large financial institutions or like a large majority of them were held by maybe these people that cashed out. I don't know. I don't know how that worked in terms of the drop, but the fact that it went from like – it said in the article that most people could exercise their stock anywhere between three to three fifty four. Like that's where the stock had been like throughout all of existence, and then just dropped down to three cents. Jeez, dude, dude, there's just something off about all that to me. Yeah, I don't know. That's super interesting, but that kind of drop is, I don't know. That's, I want to learn more about that. Mm-hmm. Crazy, but yeah, I mean, like, I think at the end of the day. It was the right move for the company to get acquired by that. Like it was the smart thing for the company. But if you're like the top level people, I think you can take a little less money so that you don't screw. The, like you can still walk away with a lot of money if you're on top. Yeah, but, like if you had like a percentage of something, or like, hey, I made this. I'm gonna throw in half a mil. Yeah. Like I made this. I'm gonna throw in three quarters of a mil. Yeah. It's just crazy. I don't know. It's a like, weird dynamic with yeah. Silicon Valley startups because that's kind of how it all is. You, at the end of the day, you have to be on the same side as the tech giants. You got to sell out to them eventually. Yeah. So man, 
one we've talked about, where do you hold your financial stability? Yeah. So, but man, that's shitty. That's really shitty. So lesson learned, if you're working at a company that could potentially be acquired, <laughs> be careful about dumping all your money into the company stock. And so. I guess for everyone else, keep your finger on, on pulses. Mm-hmm. Make sure you know what's going on with your company and the business world. Yeah. It's financials and all that. It's extra work, but yeah, you don't want to get blindsided after Christmas. Yeah, imagine coming back. <laughs> and a happy new year. Crazy. filthy animals but yeah we'll keep you updated on how that uh, the integration between uh, Eero and Amazon goes mm. so yeah. the home Wi-Fi system look it up it's pretty cool uh, we won't get into it today but what so, you got what, what else you got dude uh, so this man from Iowa uh, was awarded uh, 12.25 million dollars from an Iowa clinic after having a Cancer misdiagnosis, which led to uh, a unnecessary removal of his prostate gland. They told him he had prostate cancer. Uh, this dude's 65-year-old um, man and underwent unnecessary surgery. Also suffered nerve damage, and the surgery left him unable to control when he goes to the bathroom. Him and his relationship with his wife has also suffered because of side effects from the surgery. And I looked further into that. He um, has been left impotent, which means he cannot get an erection. Damn. From a wrongful surgery. He needs more than 12 million. I was just about to say, like, brother can't have sex and he only got 12 and a quarter for it, which is going to get taxed down to what? It's like... Do you know... You you mixed up files. Was that how it was mixed up files? Yes. She was examining two separate prostate files when she mistakenly scanned 65-year-old Hewitt's as a cancerous file. Do they have any type of like double-checking monitoring Dude, system? When you're in that? the hospital, they triple, quadruple check everything. Like so the amount of times before either my surgeries that I was asked, what's my, my full name and my birthday? And like the amount of times of which, which knee is it, they sharpie it, like whatever. Like, they double and triple up all the time. Before you go in, your name, your birthday. Mm-hmm. They want to make sure they're operating on the right person. Even though you've given the front desk your, your license, whatever, you have a wristband with your name and date of birth and yada, yada, yada. They need to know that they are operating on the exact person. Yeah. So this is just, this is oversight. This is negligence. Like especially with something cancerous, how can you not be 100% like, okay, this is this file, this is this file. They stay far apart. One may or may not die. The other has a healthy prostate. Yeah. Like, I know we're all human, and that doctor probably feels absolutely miserable. Like, may suffer hardcore depression, and I don't know. Yeah. Like, well, I also think about the the other person who got switched with the files. Oh the, yeah, the person who was told they're healthy, and then they're like, "No, you're you're not." Yeah, just kidding. Like, just a terrible situation for all three parties involved. It's unfortunate to hear something like this. Like, oh, dude, it that's just devastating mm-hmm. for everybody. I wonder, like, do, do they say like 
anything else like how, like when they knew they fucked up? Did, I mean, they probably just realized like on a uh, th- probably not long after. Deposition was filed in July of 2018, so this was under a year ago, probably okay. a year ago total, probably a year and change. But uh, I guess they originally asked for 15 million in damages and got 12.25. Okay. I'm like shit. Even 15 ain't enough, cause. Good lord. Well, I hope the. I mean, the Iowa clinic. On the good news, I mean, he doesn't have cancer, so let's just start there. At least, yeah. I mean, he gets to live, but I hope he can use that money to either invest in more medical resources to help him live a better life, or yeah, dude, create a life that at least makes him happy. Like that affecting his relationship with his wife too. Yeah. Like, bro, that's probably the toughest one. That's invaluable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like. Fifty million couldn't couldn't help that, you know. Yeah, like that's a man's wife. He's only sixty five. People might be like, "Oh, he's sixty five. No, dude, that's still young, dude. Sixty five. How many sixty five year olds are living it up right now? A lot. Mm-hmm. Like, damn. I don't know. That bummed me out. Like, whew. it's tough. Ricky Hewitt versus the Iowa Clinic. Double check your work. Always. Learn. It's a little extra effort, but man, and she probably did. Who knows yeah. the, the yeah, environment knows? she was in? If she maybe she had just gone, you know, forty-eight hours no sleep. You never know. Do you think things like this uh, encourage the conversation to bring in more uh, AI into the medical field? Like, would this have happened if a computer would have been checking these documents? Oh man, I don't know. Do you think stories like this what kind of make people open that do you, conversation? Do you even think more? if we go more cyber that files can get hacked too? And someone can give someone that wronged them twenty years prior an unnecessary diagnosis and a wrongful surgery, a dangerous one at that, mm-hmm. if we have more AI. It's true. Like and Pro- I just you know, but that's a good point. Yeah. No, like, Professor Finn at Butler, there's always risk no matter whatever you're doing. Exactly. Like when I worked at Rolls Royce, like there were robotic arms doing exact detail work mm. on gears and and shafts that are going into a power system that may go into something that is marine powered. You know, you're on sea, you're over water, maybe in the air, a Harrier jet piece of some sort. If it's not exact, someone could die. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a great point. I just, with surgeries and things too, how much do you trust human experience and, and understanding in that? Like, look, this robot hasn't seen this scenario. It's not trained to deal with, what if this happens? Yeah. That robot isn't trained like that. Right. I've seen the X factor of X factors in this type of surgery. It hasn't. It might follow the same protocol as if it thought this was happening. You know, what if something mimics something else where it triggers a, a certain response from that robot? Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, also good, good, ad, good devil's advocate because robots have been shown to be exact too. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Tesla now. Car can drive itself. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I just think AI is a very fine line and I think... Mm-hmm. And Elon Musk talked about dangers of AI, but I think we're trying to rush it. Yeah. Like, I, I think we're trying to do it too much too fast. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, look, there, there are dangers to this thing too. Yeah. But proceed with caution. Yeah, you never know. Maybe you do more in the way of just double checking security and you know just making sure files are where they should. Maybe you look at okay, how are we organizing all this stuff? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe start with that. I have no idea the the scenario or environment this doctor was in, but man, that's a big one. Yep, that is a big one. But uh, yeah, so those are my those are my two current events. Um, man, I feel like I was a little disheartening. <laughs> oh, you're good. You just, you just have to light, lighten up the mood next episode. Yeah, dude. yeah. Come on. Oh, we'll quit, lighten quit, it up this episode. Quit, We're quit good. Being so but that was just that's a bummer, dude. Yeah. I feel bad for that guy. Yeah. I mean, at least at least he got something, but still. Yeah. Hope uh, hope he gets that relationship with his wife fixed up with that. The yeah. ED man. Well, not ED. That's not a result of his, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. Yep. Anything else for you from the uh, current event uh, side of things, Tim? Yeah. So I want to talk about the world's most profitable company. Oh, you sent me this. Yeah. Saudi Aramco. So they're, uh, they're an oil company. They produce 10% of the world's crude oil. And last year, so they had their bond market debut last year and it revealed that in the year 2018, they made 111 billion in profit. That's not revenue. That's profit. That's profit. And that's doubled. That's doubled the earnings of the world's largest listed oil company, ExxonMobil. So this company is just making hand over fist. I mean, they, they don't even generate as much cash per barrel as the other leading oil companies like Royal Dutch. Um, but they, I mean, they got a little lucky last year too. I mean, they, there were relatively high and stable international oil prices. So the prices were high, but they also produced 10% of the world's oil. So that worked in their favor. I feel like with a company, oil helps. With a company like this, if the prices go up, they're just going to be keep They're going to do better because they, they control everything. Um, and there was also like a, a big decline in competition because Venezuela and Iran, they're like the biggest, the two other big competitors. Okay. I mean, apparently they're production went down last year so that allowed this company to kind of rise up Jeez. Uh, cash flow from operations is 121 billion uh and they paid over 58.2 billion dollars in dividends to the saudi that government, is impressive to, to the saudi government in 2018 that's impressive so that was dividends yeah i mean this company i mean we talk about apple we talk about the the big companies like this company's just, I mean, it's oil's always going to be in need, obviously, but this company's doing it. I mean, most profitable company in the world. Dude, let's try to get CEO on uh, Off the Dome Radio. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Doable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think what's cool about this company, too, is they just announced that. Um, so they want to kind of make a better effort to diversify the economy in okay. Saudi Arabia. So they're actually dealing out 140 different contracts to various like small to medium sized businesses um, to boost the non-oil sector enterprises of the, of the country. Hmm. So like various work that their company could do themselves, they're pretty much subcontracting it uh, to like 140 different. So like what, for example, um, like public, public transportation stuff. Okay. Um, just different, different oil contracts, like oil contracts that they can take on themselves, like for the state, but for just the government. to create different jobs and yeah. things. And yeah. Interesting. 16 billion in contracts. So, nah, you know, spit in the bucket. So I think it's cool that they're, they're, they're balling. They're number one and most profitable, but Dude. they're also trying to look out for the di- diversity of their country. Yeah, man. So I mean, I think as cool. our buddy beef would say, smoke them if you got them. 
Yeah. Like, shit. Uh, yeah, 16 billion, we can do that. Crazy. That, that works this year, you know. Like, man, imagine that much cash. Mm. Like, whoa. The change you can make with that kind of cash. Exactly. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah, too. I just want to highlight the world's most profitable company. Nothing more on my end from there. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Dude, we should shoot a DM. You never know. <laughs> we got to do some more research on what makes them so great. Right. Yeah, like if it's a what, leadership thing or if it's just purely because they have the market share and the conditions are right. Yeah, like how do you like I want to know what that looked like when it very first started. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be fun for me. Like you see Apple is this giant. But where did Apple start? You know, they were they didn't mm-hmm. come out the womb a giant. No. And so I'd be interested to see the ladder of progression that this company had. Yeah. I might me, do that. Me too. But that's wild. What oil does help with cash flow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Tends to. But right on, man. Dude, interesting stuff happening in the world. Interesting stuff. So we'll see. I uh, I don't think I told you I was at the gym the other day. And uh-huh. this guy, I was uh, getting ready to leave. And this guy was like, I have those same socks, man. And I'm like, is this dude talking to me right now? And I look up. He goes, get those off Amazon? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, you get like a bunch of pairs. like, yeah, like six or eight or some shit for like eleven ninety nine. And they're like low-cut socks with like the, they have three rubber pieces in the heels so it, uh, the sock sticks. And so I was like, yeah, dude, like not bad socks. And uh, then we just started kind of like shooting it. And by the end of it, it's like, all right, brother, hey, have a good workout. I'll, uh, I'll see you. I got to head to work. He's like, all right, bro. I'll see you, man. And see, just you, like that. see you sock, buddy. Oh, over socks, yeah. Same sock connection, baby. Same sock connection. Like, I was walking away, and I'm like, wow. I just, I got cool with a guy because we have the same socks. <laughs> How much just dumber and simpler can it get? So if you tell me that you can't connect with anyone, like, you can connect over anything. Clothing is the biggest thing to connect people like, with on, I feel like. Dude, socks. Yeah. The guy bought the same socks, and that was it. That was yeah. enough. And, like, you know what? He seemed like a pretty cool cat. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it amazes me. Just the simplest things, and, you know, that can, I don't want to, like, oh, socks will bring people together. But it's so easy to go either way, to be super ignoring or... Uh, close-minded towards someone or the exact opposite mm. to like a random compliment to a hey man i have the same socks nice buy on amazon isn't it like shit yeah it is yeah. but that just shows me he knew nothing else about you nothing else except the fact that he had socks on yeah that was it that's just great the relatability factor like, like people people like people that like the same things they do so simple and just like just being nice to people mm-hmm. is so important and will get you so far. Yeah. Work hard and you're nice to people. Oh, my God, dude. Mm-hmm. Get you so far. Mark Cuban, the most underrated skill in business is being polite. Is that one of his? Mm-hmm. Jeez. Smart dude. Yeah. I like Mark Cuban. He is. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was super interesting. No, that's, and, a, that's a good lesson for anybody. If you're trying to, like, break the ice with someone or I do it when I walk into businesses, cold call. Like look, like look for what's on their wall, but like look at people's clothing. Yeah, like you can all like. There's, there's also a story behind every piece of clothing. I feel like whether it's a boring story or whatever. Like 
that shirt came from somewhere, whether it was a gift from someone's wife or it has meaning to it. What's, you, can, uh, you can find relatability in it too. What's like your go-to if you have one or whether it's a strategy or an intro of some sort, say you walk into a business and you have to go through the front desk person for them to get a hold of a decision maker mm-hmm. and it's you in the front desk, uh, guy, girl, whoever it is. Do you have like a, a go-to approach? They probably see a bunch of cold calls all the time. Yeah. And you have to be way different than the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, more polite, more X, Y, Z. Yep. Do you have like a, a go-to approach or something that you go with or like what's, mm-hmm. what's it look like for you when you go and you scan the room? What's, yep. what's kind of your process? Yep. The key thing is being, like you said, unique, different in some way. And I walk into 25 to 30 businesses a day. Okay. And it's all about a mindset thing when I walk in. I act like that cold call is the most important cold call of the entire day, even though I'm doing it 25 to 30 times a day. Ooh. I want to be polite. I want to be genuine. And I want to be memorable. So I walk in there. I come in with a smile on my face. When you do it over and over, it's easy to just go through the motions and just yeah. walk in, like sulking, not making eye contact. I walk in there. I smile. I walk straight. I walk. I swing my arms, not like excessively, <laughs> but I, I have a nice like intro about me, like the way I carry myself. Sure. Because you got to give off a good type of body language. I smile, and the first thing I always ask is, "I said, hey, how are you doing today?" I always ask them how how they're doing, because um, sometimes they'll be like, "They'll be like, good, okay, get to the point. What do you want?" Sometimes they'll like say, "Oh, I'm just stressed today." If someone has a, a long drawn out thought when I ask, "How are you?" I ask why? Oh, why? Why are you stressed? Ooh, yeah. Because most, like, most, like, if they're willing to give up some type of like emotion about how they're feeling, they want to obviously they get it out. Go, yeah. So I ask about it. That's so that's kind of how I do that. If if they do that, they say get to the point. Like I look for other things, obviously, like things on their wall. Um, if someone's wearing like a sport apparel, I bring up some type of relevant sport fact about that that okay. thing, or ask them like, oh, you're a fan of them, um, like. Ask about like why someone is broadcasting what they're broadcasting. Ask why Ooh. ask why someone has a picture of this on their wall. Like if they have a picture of their family, oh like I mean, don't get too in, too intimate with them the first time. Feel it out, but take interest and ask unique questions about things that they have around them. But if they give you something, take the bait. Yeah, exactly. So I like that. And then and then you could be talking with someone, like, it happened to me the other day, I was talking with someone for, like, five minutes before. They're like, oh, so <laughs> so why are you actually in here? Like, just the fact that yep. we were able to talk about that, and that wasn't, like, the only, like, I learned about them first, and then you're like, oh, I'm hoping you can help me out with something. Yeah. And after you've taken interest, like, they're going to do whatever the hell you want them to do. Where Not you, everything Where you clearly to do. almost forgot why yeah. you originally walked exactly. in the door. That's when you know you did it right. So if That's you, awesome. You got to find a way to establish some type of trust. And if you take genuine interest in something that they have, like they're going to trust you. Hmm. So that's how I do it. Good question. Right on. Good answer. Thank you. Good approach. Nice mindset. I've become so much better at it since I started, man. I've been doing sales for a year. Yeah. You should have seen me in the first cold call I did. I was a scared little bunny walking in there. They're scary, man. It's scary to cold call people. But you do it over and over. I remember knocking houses, dude. Mm -hmm. I got to impress you. On your own front porch? Yeah. After a day of work or the weekend, you don't want to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And That's like, cool. You, you want to, like, it's it's easy to feel fear going into a place you've never walked into before. Like, 
I'd be lying if I tell you I, I wasn't fearful at one point going to a place just because I'm nervous. Like, I don't want to get rejected. I don't want someone to just shut the door on me and be rude to me. Right. But, like, after reading that uh, Outwitting the Devil book, it's like, that's the devil speaking to me saying, hey, like, don't be confident going into this business. You're never going to get this business for Wildman. Right. So you can't, you can't look at it that way. Even though it does happen here and there, like, people are going to be rude to you here and there. I find that if you approach it with the politeness and just assumption that people are going to be kind to you back if you're kind to them, it usually works out that way. So Money. Yeah. Absolutely money. Yeah, but no, that's a nice approach. I like that, how you attack business. That's hard 25 to 30 times a day, though. Mm-hmm. Like, that gets, that gets tough to have that same positive approach that many mm-hmm. times in a day. My skin gets thicker as the days go on, though. That's so. good. That's impressive, though. Good for you, man. Glad you're glad you're liking it. Mm-hmm. I like when you send me snaps of a new deal. Yeah. And your pen. Yeah. You and your pen. Yep. There's gonna be plenty more new deals coming up here soon. Ooh, so I like that. More where that came from. All right, dude. Let's nerd out on some book talk. All right. What you got for me? I know you uh, you okay. finished outwitting the devil. Mm-hmm. So what's uh, what's next for for you, Tim? Yeah. So I'm reading a new book called HBR Essentials. It's like a collection of like. 10 to 11 of the best articles in business consulting. Um, so I'll have more updates for that when I finish the book. I don't want to update as I do the book. I'll just read it and, and let you know the biggest things I took from it. Sure. There are some good things, but I don't want to get too nitty gritty into ins and outs of a business right now. But I do want to talk about, uh, I'm going to talk about a couple today. You're going to talk about one. Okay. Uh, so I went back through some of my old notes because every book I read, I, I take notes on it. And put it into my OneNote so I can go back and just read them whenever I want. Sure. Uh, and I was reading some this morning. And I always like to like read back through my notes and try to relate it to something that I'm doing right now. Or read what I'm doing and apply it to something in the future I'm doing. Okay. Uh, so How to Swim with the Sharks by Harvey McKay. Um, and there's a section that talks about knowing your customer or audience. And it's important, like when we give a presentation or if we meet with a customer, we're so focused on like what we have to say, what we have to offer, but you first have to do your homework on your end about not only like the company itself that you're, like if I'm relating this to sales, do research on the company itself, but also do research on the specific person as like a human being and as a person and what's important to them. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things you got to do research on. John Wooden said, for every 10 minutes you meet with someone, you should do an hour of homework on them. Wow. It's a little bit of extreme, but I think it's it's an important concept to learn because knowing like what your customer is like as a human being, like what they feel strongly about, what they're most proud of, what they want to achieve within their position, that's important, but also like the current state of their company and like what like important aspects about their company. So one one thing that I want to highlight is a, an account that I'm working on. Uh, I know for a fact, like I've been, I've gotten in touch with the person already and we had a meeting scheduled to go over a cost comparison for the uniform program to okay. give them my, my proposal on how we can do better. Um, but I walked into the meeting and she was out of the office that day because she was sick. So she, she had to go home, which I understand completely. Um, and I called back like the next week uh, to see if she might be back in like a week later. And they're like, no, she's still out sick. Like, hmm. I was like, damn, that sucks. Um, but side note, when I called the husband, so it's it's the wife that is like the, the office admin. She does the paperwork. And then there's like four or five employees in the back that wear uniforms. So okay. the husband answered. 
Um, and I'm like, oh, hey, so now that I got you on the phone, I just want to get your opinion. Like, how do you think your uniforms pro- program's going? Like, how is the comfortability of your uniforms? And he told me that the typical thing, like, oh, like they're not coming back comfortable. They could be better. I took, and even though he doesn't make the final decision, I took that information. Yeah. And so what I want to apply it to is when I finally got in touch with, she got back to the office. Um, she overcame came her sickness, and I called one, and she answered. I'm like, oh, hey, how are she you feeling? She overcame the sickness. Yes. <laughs> and beat it down with her mighty wrath. Yeah. So go, going back to my previous point about, like, knowing the customer as a human being, I was like, I don't want to say her name right now, but. Uh, yeah, no, you're good. I heard you were sick. Like, how are you feeling? Like, are you okay? Like, are you overcoming your sickness? And we talked about that first. Like, no, I knew the knowledge of her as a human being because I knew she was sick. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to bring that up first. Like, her, like, me saying that to, to her knew that I was prepared for the call and knew, like, I knew what was going on in her life personally. Right. Because that's probably the number one priority of her life right now is her health right now, not her uniform program. So I asked about that, warmed her up a little bit, and then I was like, also, I, I, I spoke with your husband on the phone when I called here last week. And he was telling me about the comfortability of your uniforms. I want to hit on that more as well when we meet. Um, and then I scheduled the meeting. Genius. So just like when you're cold calling people, find any type of inter- information you can about them. If you're presenting to a class, if you're presenting to a board of people, find out information about those people like specifically, like what, what their life accomplishments are. Like how can you take what you're presenting to someone and make their life better based on like the knowledge that you know about them as a person and what they value the most? Because every single person is different. So Well, you got the know, like, and trust factor before you went for the ask. Mm-hmm. Like you connected on something other than the reason you were there, mm-hmm. which brought it more back to humanization than just, okay, this is who I need to go through to get this done. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You, you took one extra sidestep before going there. And it's, she no likes and trusts you, and she's going to have a meeting with you and likely change. Yeah. It would have been easy to just be like, hey, so I'm just calling to see when you might be ready to meet about uniform because right. we missed our meeting last time. Well, it's like you, you, you saw, like, that person is not their business. Yeah. Like, exactly. They still have likes and dislikes and, you know, this and that. So mm-hmm. it's, it's like they're still people. Yeah. They just... They do something different than we do. Right. And we're so focused on like what defines us as an employee, what defines us about how we make our money. But like at the end of the day, like we, you need to relate to people and realize that they got a life of their own. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it from that frame of view, I think it almost puts me at ease because like everyone's human and everyone has struggles and weaknesses and things that go on in their life. But I mean, while we do this for our day jobs, like how can I connect with you as a person and improve your life, but also kind of just sprinkle in what I do for a living and help you live yeah. a better life. That's yeah. kind of how I try to look at it. Like that's kind of what I'm working on the most right now is less business, like more like personal, like relating to them. Mm-hmm. The business and the success will come after that. So I, uh, that makes me think of I'm trying to think which podcast I was listening to. I want to say Jordan Harbinger, but I don't want to misquote. So I can't remember if it was that one or not, but I listened to something where the person was like, you know, what a funny question is like, hey, what do you do? And people always go straight to their work. Yeah. And it's like, well, I do a lot. I ski, I surf, I do this and that. And it's like, you want to know what I do? And so I've started to like, if someone's like, hey, what do you do? I'm like, what do I do for work? I'm like, yeah, for work. And then it's like, 
maybe they'll be like, wait, well, what else do you do? If, like, if you do this for work, what, what else is there? It's like, you know, I got a podcast business. You know, I do this, I do that. Like, I like going to the lake, whatever. It's just like, mm -hmm. what do you do? And we are so defined by our job. It's like, you want to know what I do for work or what I do for me? Yeah. I like, like it. It's like, so you saw the person behind the business mm -hmm. and saw that she is not her business. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. I think you're going to get that one. I hope I will too. I think, I, think I think so. Yes, if she was feeling better. Most people don't. Right. And it's, that's, that's so small. She was out for a while. Like, she was out for like six or seven business days. Yeah. She must have been really, really feeling it. So. See, I would have been like, man, you got real sick of me fast, didn't you? <laughs> oh, I wish I would have used that. Dang, that's good. In the future, whenever that happens again, I'm using that. Yeah. Dude, yeah. Because it will happen. The joke, It'll like, happen. People no, no, no. It's like, no, I get it. Like, no worries. And it's just like, it lightens it all up. Yeah. I'm one of those. I'll be like, oh, man. Um, yeah, so uh, I uh, wanted to touch on weatherproofing. So we want to avoid weatherproofing. So still don't sweat the small stuff. I'm turtling my way through it. And so similar to weatherproofing for your house, cracks, leaks, whatever we do the same in life in our relationships our friendships whatever it is and a lot of times probably more so than not happens with couples it's like you see everything that they're doing wrong that they should be doing right and we skip what they're already doing really well mm -hmm. and if we start to do that then it's it's easy to get the okay well what is it this time like i'm not doing anything else right yeah. So, what now? And it's like you're finding all the cracks, all the leaks, all the little holes here and there. It's like, what am I, a fucking strainer here? Like, <laughs> damn. But, you know, it's, it's, we do it so easily and so carelessly, and we don't think twice about it. It's like, look, a little harmless, like, constructive criticism isn't anything to worry about. Because you know, you're thing. trying to, you're legitimately trying to make them better. Yes, yeah. It's like, hey, what what would you think about maybe trying that this way? You know, it's not like, why didn't you do this? Like you said, you were gonna do this on this day, or I thought you were gonna do this, or why didn't you say this instead? It's like, geez, can we get through a day and just talk? <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> um, so it's it's very like small to a lot of people when they do it a lot because they don't think about it because it's mm -hmm. done so much yeah and we all do it i've done it like you know it's mm -hmm. it's one of those things where man we we just want to find the conflict and i think our brains are fueled by finding the conflict like people almost want to get cut off on the road so they can so then they can lay on the horn mm -hmm. and shout obscenities it's like oh, I can't wait for that person to cut me off just so I can get super angry right now. Yeah. It's like we seek that out almost. Yeah. How do you, if you're, whether in a relationship with your girlfriend or boyfriend, if you're in a friendship that does that, how do you take steps like as a, you and your friend or girlfriend to kind of get, move out of that? What, what do I you mean, think? if I'm, if I'm on the receiving end, I'm just, I mean, I'm a little straighter than, than not. Like I'm just be like, look, you are destroying me on everything right now. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just telling me everything that I'm not doing correctly. Like, I should already know everything that I should say or do to fit your standards. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
you're trying to mold everything I do or say a particular way that it's not going to happen because that's not how I'm thinking or, or just me. And it's not like I'm being negative or mean, like that's causing you to just find all the little things. It's just you're telling me every little thing that I'm doing wrong. So if it's on the receiving end, I'm just going to be like, look, you keep doing this. Like, I'm, what am I doing right? Let's start there. Or look, I'm not even going to do anything anymore because everything is wrong. Right. Like sometimes you have to be that straight. It's like, look, you are just brutally destroying me here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it depends on how severe the situation. It might be a few times like, hey, you know, last few times you brought this up. It's like it's really just finding the nitpicky stuff. Like it's like everything else cool. Like, you know, gauge it how you need to feel it out and then communicate appropriately. Like I said, it's just. I've been on that side too. It's like, man, every little thing. Um, but if you are doing that, where it's like, okay, I do need to step back, and you're both kind of, you understand that there is that issue. It's like, okay, we we need to do better at this. Let's let's identify what we are doing correctly, and I think you start there. Like, hey, you do this really well. Oh, then, yeah, you do this really well. It's like, all right, then you get down the list. And it's like, oh yeah, this is pretty small stuff. Like we really. This is tiny. Mm-hmm. Like, it just kind of bothers me when you might say this a certain way. Okay, fine. Just change a little the way you say something. We've talked about that. The way you deliver. Mm-hmm. Just a little change like that. A little extra effort. And you guys avoid any future conflict, again, on that issue. Yeah. You're always going to have other things that you don't agree on. But mm-hmm. at least that won't be a repetitive thing coming up. Yeah. Because that'll kill people, too. It's like... This is the same thing over and over and over again. Where it's like, you gave me two days to figure it out. <laughs> right. So, yeah, no, I think at the end of the day, it takes two people. Like, you, you and whoever you're dealing with, you need to have a mutual understanding about how you're going to effectively give constructive criticism or feedback to the mm-hmm. other person. Be like, like, under, like, align on, like, what the basis for your criticism would be. Like, hey, like, whenever we pick out things with each other, make sure we do it in a respectful way mm-hmm. and in a way that allows you to be a better person, a better partner for me, um, and different things like that. And I think you need to make it a point to, like you said, talk about things they do right, but talk about that every day. Like, don't just say it once. Like, I think we get in the habit, like, we, we nitpick and we criticize every day, but I think it's easy to, to neglect the things you do right mm-hmm. and reinforce that on a constant basis mm-hmm. so I, I mean I would suggest just like picking out three things just saying three things to them every day yeah about what they do what they do right because that goes like, far more you need that mutual acceptance that it's happening too mm-hmm. like if one person is thinking that it's happening and the other person is like no it's not I'm not doing that yeah. you're not going to get anywhere there needs to be that mutual acceptance that it is happening mm-hmm. before I think you can implement and it also, takes, it also takes the competency of the person to actually make the change, too. Because mm-hmm. sometimes they'll tell you something, and they, they could say it to you respectfully, but you may not change it right away. Then, then you can kind of understand how they'd be frustrated. So it does take two people to follow through on what you're doing and maybe even follow up to see how you've been doing since they criticized you. Like, oh, right. I've been working on this. Like, how, how have I been doing? Like, don't just, like, leave it unfinished. Like, close it out and realize. And that like, person needs a little bit of time. Yeah, you know it's not gonna. It's not like the very next day. Mm-hmm. You know, if they say something similar like a week or two later, be like, "Hey, this is one of those times that you know we kind of talked about." This. Like, oh yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, just 
a gentle nudge, yeah. a slight point out back. Like, All right, no worries. Like, like we talked about before, find the innocence. Like, look real quick, swallow the pill real fast. Like, say it in your head, let it go. Mm-hmm. Find the innocence. Be like, hey, we talked about this. If it's going again and again, then yes. Like, yo, this is not changing. Right. Then it needs to get a little more stern, but give it some time too and patience. But yeah, avoid weatherproofing. So, yeah, so that's all I got for my book talk, man. Um, man, I like this episode a lot. I do too. I, I keep saying that after each episode. But like we said, I think it was like episode 35 or something where we kind of restructured, organized a little bit mm-hmm. with the show. And then, I don't know, I felt like the momentum and the rhythm changed yeah. a little bit. It's like, always good to pivot and be open to improve. Hit, hit a little groove, I think. We're experimenting, so. Yeah, I, I, I like it. I so like our flow. For all the listeners, if um, there's anything, uh, new topics that you want us to talk about, if you're like, hey, what if you tried this in the show uh, style-wise? We're always looking at, at how we can be uh, better, more efficient, uh, more entertaining and informative. Uh, but this is kind of how we're, how we're doing it for now. So we appreciate your time, your attention, and listening to us uh, talk to you on various topics. Uh, we couldn't uh, continue doing what we love without you listening. Uh, so I had a blast today. Uh, Tim, anything else you want to leave with people? Have a good week and make sure you get to know people on the personal level as well. Don't just be all business. You can connect on same socks, sir. Kill the week. Let's, let's win this week. And hey, listen, if you guys like the show, you're getting value from the show, head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star review and rating, uh, and then DM us on Instagram at Off the Dome Radio that you did so. We'll get your information. We will ship a free laptop, laptop sticker to you. Brain to mouth today. Damn. Third time you've done it. I know, dude. (laughs) Good Lord. It's hard. (laughs) All right. So that's on iTunes. We are also on Spotify and SoundCloud, all channels at Off the Dome Radio. Thank you so much again. Uh, Crush the week. Hope you had a great weekend. And until next time.